0: We're going to continue now with our time of worship by meditating and reflecting on the Word of God, by hearing God's Word and having it land in a fresh new way in our hearts and in our minds. And today we're continuing our series in the book of Romans that we're calling Back to Basics. And last week we took a little break from it in order to hear from Brother Greg Peterson as he Talked to us and shared a wonderful message about listening to God. So you can go back and check that out in case you missed it. But today we're going to continue in our journey on the Romans road in the book of Romans in chapter 3, verses 21 to 26 and you can follow along with your bibles or you could hear god's word read aloud romans chapter 3 verses 21 to 26 let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the word of god in romans chapter 3 verses 21 to 26 but now apart from the law the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify this righteousness is given through faith In Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Amen. God justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for just this opportunity to be together, to go back to basics, Lord. There are things that we've heard and learned about your gospel, Lord, that we sometimes take for granted. The fact that you save us, the fact that you forgive us, Lord. The fact that we are justified through Jesus Christ, Lord. That means that we don't have to justify ourselves, Lord. Thank you that you make a way, O Lord. Thank you that you are with us here and now. We give you all the praise and glory and we pray that you would speak to us in a way that is clear, fresh, and direct today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As a church community, we've been in a series in the book of Romans that we're calling Back to Basics. And I'm going to encourage us through the fall to continue to be in Romans together. As together we go back to what it means to follow Jesus with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and mind. Where we're rekindling that love and passion for Jesus Christ. The one that perhaps some of us are just learning now as we're taking our first steps in faith. The one that some of us maybe had at one point, but now we want to rekindle it. Or the one that some of us are experiencing now as we continue to go deeper in our faith and in our trust and in our discipleship. And Jesus is taking you to a whole new level. All of that. All of those are different expressions and different ideas of what it means to go back to basics. Going back to the heart of worship, making this disciple shift. And today we're going to talk about one of the most basic things that really um, uh, is part of the faith that we hold in Jesus as people that follow Jesus. We're going to talk about salvation, the salvation of God, which begins with the actions of God and the forgiveness of God. And today we're going to talk specifically about that, how forgiveness works. What forgiveness is, what it isn't, and how you and I are called to apply forgiveness and to live out forgiveness. And how because Jesus has forgiven us, we are called to forgive ourselves and to forgive others as well. We'll be talking about forgiveness on a person-to-person level and forgiveness on a God-to-us level today. Salvation begins with the action of God, the forgiveness of God. And this whole message is what the book of Romans calls the gospel, the gospel message. The gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. God has restored something precious that has been broken. God himself has come to rescue and restore and renew creation through the person and work of of Jesus Christ. God has come to restore and redeem and unify all things back to himself through Jesus. That's God's plan for salvation and restoration. Many of us have heard about salvation before, and one question that one can ask, and I've engaged this conversation with people taking their first steps in faith, or people exploring faith conversations, and one very genuine question is simply this. Why do we need salvation? ¿Por qué necesitamos la salvación? Why do we need salvation? Why do we need forgiveness? Well... According to the book of Romans here, we need salvation and forgiveness because of sin. Sin is when we miss the mark. Sin is when we are not being who we were created to be. God is not focused on our sin, but sin is what has broken our relationship with God. And sin is what has messed up our true identity that can only be found in him. Sin, at its most basic level, is simply making everything about me. The I-self-me disease. Sin is living life my way for my fame and for my glory. Instead of living God's way for God's glory but God calls us to step away from the way we've been. God calls us to step away from sin, and God calls us to repent. Repentance simply means to surrender and to trust God, to turn direction from rebellion to repentance. To surrender and trust God. To surrender and trust God for new life, for new transformation through Jesus Christ. When we receive God's forgiveness and believe that by faith Jesus is the only one who can save us, then this good news, the gospel, begins to change everything. It begins to change every area of our life back to the way that God designed it to be repentance takes us back to that first love back to basics repentance allows us to be who we were created to be with our identity in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ repentance leads to restoration to restored relationship with God, which will lead to a restored relationship with others. When our relationship with God is made right, that means that our relationship with, with ourselves is made right. And when I'm okay with myself, because I'm okay with God, I can now be okay with other people. Sin breaks Sin separates us from God, from ourselves, from others. Repentance leads to restored relationship, to renewed and right relationship with God, with myself, and with others. Part of being restored to others will mean to forgive others just as God has forgiven each and every one of us when we seek it, when we repent a person that knew that God's salvation begins to change every area of our life back to the way God designed it to be, was an early follower of Jesus by the name of Stephen. In the book of Acts, in chapter 7, we read a little bit about the life of Stephen. Stephen received God's forgiveness, and he lived out the forgiveness of God. Stephen knew that he had been forgiven, and for that reason, he forgives. In Acts 7, 59 to 60, we read these pretty powerful verses about this early early church leader by the name of Stephen. It says this in Acts 7, 59 to 60. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. What do we see here? Stephen used these words to comfort and challenge God's people in their formation and to give them hope and confidence and he even paid the price with his very life. It cost Stephen his very life. Yet we see here in this passage that Stephen's life was aligned with the life of Jesus, So even though it may have been the end of his life here on earth, we're, we're confident that this was not the end of Stephen's story. When we read here in these last two verses, um, 59 and 60, Acts 7, 59 and 60, it, When Stephen is being stoned, he prays and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It's pretty incredible because the person that wrote that part of the Bible is another early Christian leader by the name of Luke. And Luke investigated and wrote about the early witnessing communities, the early Christian communities, the early church And he writes these two verses very intentionally. 59 and 60. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. What does that sound like? What does Stephen sound like in those verses? Who does Stephen sound like? He sounds like Jesus. Like Jesus on the cross. When he was laying it all down and he cries out and says, Father, Into your hands I commend my spirit. What do we see Stephen doing there? Stephen is aligning his life, his death, and his story with the life, death, and story of Jesus. And then we see this next section that's pretty incredible. Then Stephen knelt down and he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Again, who does Stephen sound like there? Stephen sounds like his Lord and Master Jesus Christ on the cross, who while on the cross he prayed and he cried out, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yet another example here, we see Stephen aligning his story with the story of Jesus Christ. And that's just one fascinating observation. But the deeper truth here is this. When we align ourselves with the story of Jesus, we see what happens here with Stephen. The story of Jesus continues through Stephen. And because Jesus is alive, that means that the story of Stephen remains alive when we align our story with Jesus' story, our story remains alive. The life and testimony of Stephen reminds us of this. He was restored and he was re Repentance leads to being re Repentance leads to a new story, to a new beginning. Because Jesus had forgiven him, Stephen would also be able to forgive others. We see here Stephen in what seemed like the final chapter of his story, yet where were his eyes at the point of his death? His eyes were on Jesus. His eyes were up. Stephen wasn't just looking around at the problem right in front of him. Stephen was not just looking at the people that were hurting him or the situation that was challenging. Although you can be sure that he wasn't ignoring those challenges and those struggles that were right before him. But he was actively engaging those challenges while his focus remained on Jesus. How can we keep our eyes focused on Jesus? How can we keep our eyes up? Instead of having our eyes focused on those that hurt us, or those that we've hurt, or those situations that seem impossible to us, how can we keep our eyes up and focused on Jesus? How can He be our true North Star? Whenever we lose our focus, we can look up and see Jesus and find our way back. Find a way back home. Find a way to repentance and a way to be restored into a new beginning. In the midst of the overwhelming and exhausting circumstances that some of us find ourselves in currently, how can we as God's people keep our eyes on Jesus? Not just focused on now as if this is the end. This is not the end. Next week will not be the end. Tuesday, Super Tuesday will not be the end. But in fact, the promise of salvation is that the way you have been hurt or disappointed in your past, the good news of the gospel is that that will not be the end of your story the worst things in this life will not have the final say on your life the worst things will not be the last things that's the definition of resurrection power the worst things will not be the last things that is a living hope that is a resurrection hope What that person did, what that person didn't do, what that institution did, how that institution hurt me or I hurt it, or that situation that does not. uh, All those things, all those feelings, all those emotions, all those anxieties, all those disappointments, they do not have the final word on your life. Jesus does. Eyes up. On him. We're learning about forgiveness. And part of the action of living forgiveness is this to forgive is to let go. To forgive is to let go, to trust God, and to follow Jesus into deeper freedom. And to follow Jesus into deeper freedom is to be who He created us to be to be to be a child of god sisters you are daughters of god brothers you are men of god and together we are children of god we are god's family as we place our faith hope and trust In Jesus, daughters and sons of God of the Most High, created not just for a grudge. You are not created just for a beef or a resentment or a grudge against someone, but you are created for so much more. The Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 36 tells us this, So if the Son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Who the sun sets free will be free indeed, popular worship song, but comes straight from the stri- from the scriptures. who the sun sets free will be free indeed, friends, brothers, sisters, you and I have been forgiven, forgiven by God, and together we through God's power are free to extend that forgiveness to others. Because Jesus forgives, you will also forgive. In aligning our life with his life, when I look to the person that I need to forgive, I I, I honestly, on my own, I won't have the power to forgive another person. Or to forgive a situation or a hurt. On my own, I can't do it. I can't. And in fact, when I am looking at the person and the one that wronged me, instead of wanting to forgive them, I'm going to want to resent or to hold a a grudge or a beef. But resenting is really a self-imposed punishment. A self-imposed crisis resenting is when we go over the scenario over and over and over and over and over again even though it's done it's over with it's almost like that little that little camera in in sports the review cam or the 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 play by play or, or do over camera where you see the accident or the foul happening over and over and over again that's what resentment does in our heads i love the way that someone wants described it. Resentment, resenting is me just choking myself or hurting myself and hoping that the other person changes. Resentment is a self-inflicted harm. Holding a grudge is a self-inflicted damage. The one getting the most hurt, the one experiencing the most pain is the one holding on to the resentment. The one refusing to let go of the grudge. Jesus calls us for more, to be more. Instead of having our eyes on the problem, we can have our eyes on the solution. Jesus Christ is that solution. The gospel. Is that solution so when we lose our way may we remember eyes up eyes up on Jesus eyes up on the solution and as we have our eyes up to him we will begin to learn what it means to entrust to entrust people to entrust feelings to entrust outcomes over to the hands of Jesus because he is able and he's much better at doing what he does Jesus is really good at doing what he does God is so much better at being God than you or me will ever be Jesus being so good at what he does that means that We don't have to try to do for God what only God can do. We don't have to try to play God in our own lives or in the lives of others. The invitation of grace, the invitation of forgiveness is this. Instead of worry, trust. Instead of trying to take control, surrender. Trusting and entrusting people into the hands of a living and active and merciful God. That's the best thing we can possibly do in any difficult circumstance or situation. Some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, but you know, I just have to do something. I can't just trust. Well, then what are you going to do as opposed to what? Worry? As opposed to surrendering you're going to stress and resent stay up all night thinking about it let me ask you this how's that going how has that gone has it helped the situation has it helped you at all probably let led i mean you and i know that stress and anxiety is directly connected to physical and spiritual well-being Stress and anxiety can lead to high blood pressure and to many diseases that are connected to worry, stress, and resentment. Please take my word from it. As someone that's gone through it, as a pastor who loves you, please know this. Resentment, stress, and anxiety is not going to make it better. It's going to make it worse. It's going to make you worse. Worse. But Jesus sees you and says, I created you for so much more. I created you to be free. To be who you were created to be. One of my life passages is in Matthew 6, chapter 31, verses... Ver, uh, chapter 6, verses 31 to 34... And it's one of my life verses because I've had to apply it to myself many, many times. It says the following. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, sometimes people come to me and say, well, you know, some parts of the Bible just don't make sense. But can you can I get an amen to that? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. So don't worry about it. Give it to God. Entrust it. Surrender it to him. He is with you. He is for you. He will carry you. One of my favorite worship bands from the 1990s was this band from the UK by the name of Delirious. And uh, they wrote a song and it's a song that means a lot to me. I have a little playlist in in my song app that I call forever albums and forever songs. And this is one of my forever songs and it's the song Majesty by Delirious. And they have this line in that song that's so beautiful that I sing often, especially when I lose my way and when I need to remember God's mercy, grace and forgiveness. It says this in the song Majesty. It says, here I am humbled by your majesty humbled by your grace so free. Lord, here I am, knowing you're my only desire, sanctified by glory and fire. Here I am, knowing all the love that you give, forgiven so that I can forgive. You and I are forgiven to forgive. I know it may not feel natural. It may not feel instinctual. But God is really good at being God. And he knows why he invites us into that deeper freedom. The book of Luke chapter 7 verse 47. We're reminded of this. Therefore I tell you. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. But the one who is forgiven much, loves much. The one who is forgiven little, loves little. Forgiveness. And we'll we'll conclude with this. Forgiveness with other people is as much for the forgiver than it is for the forgiven. Our love and our forgiveness are directly connected. If we want to grow in love, then we must grow in forgiveness. If we want to grow in experiencing love, then we must grow in receiving forgiveness. Stop running. Stop hiding. Let go. And let God. Let go and trust God. Otherwise, you will gain nothing except a bitter heart, a resentful heart. But friends, brothers, sisters, God calls you to be free. To be free of it. Stop holding on, stop trying to control. Rest in his forgiveness. Galatians 5 1. We're reminded of this invitation to freedom through the journey of forgiveness, of being forgiven and forgiving and forgiving others. Galatians 5 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Resentment wants to keep us in bondage, in a yoke of slavery. The author C.S. Lewis in his book about heaven called The Weight of Glory, he talks about the difference between God's forgiveness and the forgiveness between people. And he says this, the difference between God's forgiveness and people's forgiveness is this. In our own case as people, we accept excuses too easily. In, In our own case, we accept excuses too easily when it comes to justifying myself. But then in other people's situations, we do not accept excuses excuses easily enough. And I love this line. He says this. Each one of us wants to view our own sin through the lens of grace, while at the same time we want to view the sin of others through the lens of wrath and judgment. This is hard. I know. I've been through it. And it's perhaps not so hard to forgive maybe a one-time hurt or a one-time challenge or forgiving someone who said the wrong thing or made a mistake, but to forgive the ongoing challenges and the problem people or the circumstances that we face in our daily life to keep on forgiving a family member that has hurt or betrayed you or someone who continues to bully or to be rude? A coworker that is disrespectful, a friend who's lost trust, who's broken trust, to continue to forgive selfish, selfish people or deceptive people or lying tongues? How can we do it? How can we forgive what seems so unforgivable? And the answer is, you can't. We can't. I can't on my own. It is only by having our eyes up, our eyes focused up on Jesus Christ that we can forgive. That we can receive forgiveness and extend forgiveness. On our own, we can't do it when we're keeping our eyes focused on just the problem or just the circumstances we cannot do it so let's keep our eyes up on Jesus the one who forgives and the one who empowers us to forgive ourselves and others as well the one who picks us up picks us up in order to move forward It's only by having our eyes focused on Jesus Christ and not on the problem or the circumstance or the thing out there that you will align yourself with Jesus. You will see the greater picture. You will see God bring something together that you had no idea that he was doing. But let's be clear about this. Forgiveness is not simply excusing people. Forgiving is not excusing. Forgiving is not just looking the other way. Forgiving is not sweeping under the under the rug. We see that in the scriptures that part of forgiveness is dealing with the reality of consequences and actions. And in fact, that's part of grace and mercy and restoration as well. King David went through this in the book of 2nd Samuel in chapter 11. With his sin uh, when uh, he was with had uh the husband of um, Bathsheba killed, and then they were together, that was something major in the life of David, and he had to go through some serious consequences for that, but God restored him. God will restore each and every one of us when we let God into those difficult places. So let's be, be clear about that. Forgiveness is not simply excusing. Forgiveness is not just running away from reality and consequences. But forgiving is letting go. Forgiving is letting go. It's trusting God and following Jesus into deeper freedom. Let's be clear about this. To forgive or to refuse to forgive is to refuse God's mercy. To refuse to forgive is to refuse God's mercy for us. To be a Jesus follower means to forgive the unforgivable, to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you and in me. So why do we forgive? We forgive others because God has forgiven us. You forgive because God has forgiven you. And being forgiven gives us power to forgive others. Jesus taught us a prayer that we can pray every morning and every night. And in fact, with our our family, the Coro family at home with our two boys, Charlotte and I, we pray this prayer every single night. And it's one that may be familiar to many of you, but it has a very key line in forgiveness. It's the prayer that says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. God will hear you, and God will be the one to do it. Jesus will restore you and He will forgive you. He will give you the power and the ability to forgive others, to do what you and I cannot do on our own. So Imago Church. May we together, as one church family, be a people who forgive. Who forgive others because God has forgiven us. May we let go and let God. Let God be God. That means you and I don't have to be. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your sacrifice, for your mercy, O oh God. Lord, our sacrifice and and, uh, it, and our prayer, Lord is all for you. We fed on your word, we've been refreshed through your living water and as we continue, Lord, to close out in worship in reflection in prayer God may you continue to mark us as a people that has been forgiven and that now extends forgiveness to others take us back to that basic and simple point that so many of us are aware of Lord but now it's time to live it out God we acknowledge you as God we surrender and we give you all the the control, Lord, because you're worthy of it. We give you control of this week, Lord. All that may come, yes, even in the elections, we surrender them into your mighty hands, God, knowing that you will be God and nothing can stop your kingdom, Lord. We pray your grace, we pray mercy, we pray peace upon this land, Lord. And we pray that for the people of this congregation Lord of all the families represented here and for all individuals as well God, we confess Lord that at times we've rejected your ways and we've insisted on our own way merciful God would you forgive us help us to take the journey from fear to faith from running away to running toward set us free in Jesus Christ to be the people that we were created to be. It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.